With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Well, that is. My like a movie. Paparazzi picture. If it's to get richer. What was your favorite fantasy flight party that we ever did? It's the one we're about to do in Costa Rica. <laughs> That's not a fantasy flight party. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's like... kink in Costa Rica. Okay, okay. Like okay. from from okay. the from the before days. From, from the days when we were doing bachelorette and birthday and divorce parties. What was your favorite? From the days when we was lugging that sixty pound massage table and eighty pound pole. Those days. Hell yeah. Across the would, country? When we would show up and put a pole in any room in your house. Anywhere, because you pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> your popcorn ceiling about to get a pole in it. They were they were all so special for so, so many reasons. So, like, it was a couple of things that stood out. Like, okay. That stood out to you. Okay, so Miami stood out to me because... Do you you know like it it was like a sister's birthday party? Was that the one I had to get snuck out the back because somebody's no, husband showed no, up? No, that was one of my not so favorite ones. No, it was another one. It was with all the black women in Miami, and it was like like it was so many. <laughs> it was like twenty women, and they were so live. And um, I love that party. One one of the reasons why I love that party is because it just felt like if I never left Miami, I would have been going to that party. And so it was like they were just having so much fun. And the party kind of took itself. I was like, I brought the stuff. And then they were just so, like, funny and so lit. It was just like, do y'all thing. And every now and then they ask a question or you would come out the room and they would be like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that was a favorite. Another favorite is in Ocala when we was in the man cave. Oh, yeah. That, was, <laughs> that party was wild. Like, the pictures that I have from that party are still, like... In rotation. They're still in rotation. <laughs> and people will still be like, yo, when and where was that? Mm, um, that was a lit-ass party. And then, gosh, there's just so many. I love when we... Party. There's a group of women that eventually we made it to Atlantic City with them, but it started with one of their homegirls in Tampa, and then like she introduced us to their friend group, and then their friend group. You know, that I was love like that, those. that group of the women in Queens as 
well. Right. That was right. that was one of my favorite parts. One of yeah. the first ones we did in Queens. The Atlantic City one. <laughs> if it was an episode on a TV show, it would have been my favorite episode of that TV show. And my least favorite. But my experience <laughs> with it, and it was, and it had nothing to do with the, nope. the women or their actual party, nope. but it was like, I think like the massage table was lost mm-hmm. by shipping. Mm-hmm. So we had to buy a massage table. Now, if you if you ain't from Jersey and you, and you don't know about Atlantic City, like, other than the casinos, and the casinos are the casinos, but, like, some parts of AC, like, that I shit, wow. I didn't know Atlantic <laughs> City was like that. <laughs> you know, Atlantic, <laughs> Atlantic City could get very sketchy in certain in certain aspects, areas, and, and, and manifestations and whatnot. And we had and we were, like, looking for this massage table. And it was like, someone was like, I know somebody who's got a massage table. Like, one of those, like, I know a guy who's got a guy. Yeah. And massage tables shouldn't have to be purchased in that way. Oh, but it but it, but it had to. In our situation, it had to be. So, like, we was, like, in this back alley shit behind the boardwalk. And this dude was like, yeah. Yeah, we got the stuff. Like it was like I was buying like a brick or some shit. I know, shit. and I was waiting in the car, like, oh God, like I hope he comes out. Like, <laughs> like I'm gonna get like I'm gonna get kidnapped over this massage table and shit, grown napped or whatever the fuck. And so like I'm walking through this, it's all dark in there and shit. Like it was literally like I was <laughs> I was trying to exchange hostages with them or some <laughs> shit. And it was like I, I come out with this massage table that somehow was heavier than our original massage. Like that shit was like a hundred pounds. It was like a massage table that's probably like one of them joints that they probably they probably stole that shit from I was Massage say, Envy or something. It some probably shit. had no business leaving where it was at. And they sure as fuck shouldn't have been giving massages in the spot <laughs> where it was at. <laughs> I felt like they had people making fake Gucci bags in there. <laughs> that shit was wild as hell. And then so, you know, anyway, get this massage table. And then when we're leaving, they lose that massage table in shipping. Sending it back sending to us. Sending it back to us. So it was like, that, but that, that was just like a crazy ass situation. Yeah. But um, another one that stands out to me, mm-hmm. and it will always, it will probably always be my favorite because of the connection that was made at that party. It was in, it was in either VA or Maryland. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we're doing a party for all the ladies and stuff. And I also remember this one because this is the one where you decided to leave another company mm-hmm. that you have been selling toys for and was just like, I'm just going to do, just going to be Jet Set and Jasmine yeah. and it's going to be all my own shit. They wrote me a little nasty letter about yeah. our party. Yeah, yeah, fuck that company. Right. I'm, I'm sure they're bankrupt mm-hmm. by now. Mm-hmm. But um, they, uh, the husband was upstairs for most of the party mm-hmm. and then we were doing our demonstration on the swing and all this kind of shit and it was like, I don't know how he kind of like made his way downstairs at that time. Well, he we... was such a doting husband. I think he was coming down to like make sure everything was all was right. Like, King ain't down there fingering nobody, right? <laughs> Basically. <laughs> he came so, down to see if she like needed something to drink or something like and that. And we were like, hey, let's get you yeah. and, and your lady in the swing. And he has shared that he was a veteran. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, yo, there's a lot of things that... I would like to do that I can't do mm-hmm. because I have like it was like shrapnel or something mm-hmm. in his back. So, you know, certain positions and, mm-hmm. and certain holds and things like that were causing pain. So I was like, yo, like if you use the swing mm-hmm. in this position, because he said, like, yo, I like I like back Come shots. Back. I like I like hitting them back shots. So I was like, yo, if you're standing 
here and she's in the swing this way, then yeah. the back is supporting you. And you were showing her like different positions that she can do in the swing where he can still and have that. And yeah, exactly. And I will always remember that party because it was like he had that now like, oh, I love y'all. Mm-hmm. But y'all got to go because I'm about to get these back. Make sure you buy that like, swing. I'm, I'm, I'm buying that swing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I always yeah. think about that because it's it's something that's not spoken about very often is, you know, whether it be aging mm-hmm. and, you know, our bodies change mm-hmm. or injury mm-hmm. and our bodies change or illness and our bodies change. How do we maintain and continue our sex lives or 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 pivot what our sex life is into a way that is still pleasurable for mm-hmm. us and our partner. And you are actually like a fucking expert on that shit, on intimacy uh, post-injury. So I want to go over, like, how will we... Talk about it. Yeah, like, how can we... Yeah. How can we grow? How can we pivot? How can we enhance our sex lives when we do have injuries or illnesses? That was definitely one of the parties that um i was like ha like this is why we do what we do right you know it's like we always see that but this was so it was so specific and so like in um in our face of like how is this couple gonna you know be able to enjoy sex for the next 20 30 40 plus years um and i'm sure you know they would have figured something out and they were figuring something out because they were just very loving and affectionate with each other but i really felt like we were able to enhance that for them. Um, and so there are definitely, there are a lot of specialists and experts out there, but just to kind of share my background, I am a gerontologist, so I have studied aging. And I always thought that it was important to study aging because that's something that I certainly wanted to do. <laughs> and I wanted to be able to do it gracefully. Um, I also wanted to, no matter what our business and our um, our livelihood was, I want to cater to people over a extended period of time. Mm-hmm. And so in order to do that is to figure out how do people age and what like pain points, no pun intended, would people have that we would be able to like pivot our um, our work towards. And my work with veterans and people in medical settings has uh, always been influenced by the medical community, right? So like someone is sick, like what pills do they need to... Mm-hmm to feel better what treatments do they need medically to be able to like go home but I always looked at it and this is sort of like the therapist aspect for me go home and do what go home and do what for why and usually our forms of intimacy and relationship is why we do the things we do like why people fight so hard when they're sick is because they want to be there for Mm -hmm. you know and for what for who it usually is some relationship, whether it's the relationship to friends or family, um, relationship to something that they're passionate about. It's usually intimacy is on the other end of what we fight for wellness um, around. So I started to challenge the medical spaces that I worked in to add that component, like what is intimacy for this person and how can we use that to like encourage them to get better? Um, also, what besides like if they can go to the bathroom, uh, if they could take their pills and like, you know, sleep and all this kind of stuff, like what do they do for fun? You know, what do they do to connect with other people 
that like if they could do this thing that their life would actually be improved um because if you told me like yeah this this pill will help you get out of bed i'm like okay great but like get out of bed to do what yeah Yeah, you know if you told me that okay this pill is going to help you be able to go to some like i don't know whatever fat con or things that i get excited about you know or costa rica or some kinky shit you know or then I'd be like, oh, yeah, like, let me get that. So um, so what I have found is that a lot of people, because of our own issues around sex and sexuality and shame and a lot of physicians, medical providers, therapists, um, are uncomfortable asking people about intimacy. And, you know, in my work, people were like, okay, I don't know how to ask the doctor this, but when are we going to be able to have sex again? Or um, my my husband is paralyzed from the neck down, and I have no idea, like, what is our sex life going to look like? We we're 20-something years old when we got married. Like, what do I do? Um, and starting to infuse the work that we were doing, like, okay, can we talk about role play? How can we stimulate the mind in, in uh, a sexual way so that there can be orgasm still? Um Let's talk about face sitting, right? Like, you know, how can we um, help your partner still give you pleasure, which will give them pleasure? Can we talk about mutual masturbation? Can we look at adaptive toys? Can we force PT to order you sex toys? Because that is actually what this person needs towards the quality of their life. Well, going back to what you just said about shame and how shame then kind of closes off uh, 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 avenue of conversation mm-hmm. that is very important to people is it, it does show like how much gets left out. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then with that shame or, or with people who are like, oh, you shouldn't be worried about your sex life if you are paraplegic or this, that, and like. You should be happy you're alive. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That That's always kind of how it's presented. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there are more things to being alive than, you know, breathing. just just breathing and, right. and eating yeah. or drinking, you know. Mm-hmm. And someone who is injured mm-hmm. or paraplegic or, or paralyzed or, or all of these things is to live a fulfilling life. Mm-hmm. And I think that there is that bias that people have you know, have use of their all their limbs mm-hmm. and, and things like that, where it's like, if I don't have that, then they don't think about a fulfilling life right. anymore. Mm-hmm. And there are so many ways and so many pleasures that you can have, no matter what your limitations are, mm-hmm. that it needs to be fully recognized and needs to be an open conversation that people should be able to have with their medical providers and that shame was so deep that I no longer do that work in that capacity anymore because they could, they did not like that challenge that I was bringing to the table or the lived experience I was having to go get the information to bring to the table. So one of the, f- one of my early uh, client situations, mm-hmm. I was, I guess, what will be considered a surrogate now mm-hmm. because it wasn't, it wasn't like cuckolding in the cuckolding sense of of you know the whole ds dynamic mm-hmm. and role play of cuckolding it was more just like you are a sex surrogate mm-hmm. you know and it was very uh it was fulfilling to be a part 
of yeah. that of that um of that dynamic. Can you can you explain a little bit more mm-hmm. about what that is? So there are, I mean, there is um, a formal profession of sex uh, sex surrogacy. There's actually a practice where a mental health provider will sort of prescribe a client to have sexual experiences with someone who is a sex worker, um, but also sees a person in providing physical sexual experiences with the understanding that it is for therapeutic purposes. Um, sometimes you see this with people who've experienced trauma and would like to have sexual experiences with someone in a safe, um, a safe way, one that they can communicate about first and explore their boundaries with. That's not going to be all up in their shit afterwards. Exactly. Um, it could be someone who has a certain type of physical limitation or disability that it takes adaptive sex that may be more challenging to experience with, um, you know, like picking up someone in a social situation. And the idea is that just because you have a sex surrogate doesn't necessarily mean that you won't have, you can't have other less formal sex. It's just that we have needs and desires in in the meantime, in between time. And you might not want to teach somebody all the things in that particular setting. And you want to take your time with somebody else before you got to teach it to them. Right. Or a sex surrogate might be the person that teaches your partner how yeah. to have that sex with you um, in a, a, a safe way and like a way that, you know, you enjoy. So um, there's that component. And then there's a sex surrogates that um, sometimes part, people may be partnered where one partner is asexual or does not want to have a particular type of sex. And, you know, so... Um, you were serving that space for someone who I believe had some traumatic experiences. And, um, and if, if I remember correctly, um, while you weren't working with that person's therapist or provider, it was strongly encouraged that they have a safe situation with someone. That one was more recent, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, longer ago, I was with uh, a couple. Mm-hmm. And the uh, man in the couple... He had some injuries mm-hmm. and wasn't able to achieve an erection. Okay. So, mm-hmm. but I, I also mm-hmm. would kind of help them engage in ways while she was engaging with me. Mm-hmm. And, oh, man, that shit was hot as fuck. Like, I yeah. loved it. See? It's so cool. Um, Wherever one- they are out there, <laughs> I, hope, I hope they still getting off to our experiences together. That's so cool. One of the... Um, Examples that I think often gets missed in, you know, sex work is work or um, the fact that people who are not between the ages of like 18 and like 55, like still have sex, still want to have sex, still deserve good sex and sexual experiences. And I say that because, you know, we only sell sex to that demographics for sure there's there's i I was gonna say like there are a lot of misconceptions Mm -hmm. about you know people over the age of 55 right or people with disabilities people living with like mental health like all these different things that somehow sex gets pulled out of their humanity correct um and that's why there is like sexual uh sex disability justice uh advocates and activists because of that, like part, our sex and sexuality and intimacy is a part of our human need and it is a part of our human right. And these things, you know, they, it gets pulled away from folks with mental health 
issues. Folks that live in um, any type of like medical setting, they are they don't have privacy to engage in sex. They cannot have um, sexual partners that are not that they're not married to or partnered with. And I used mm -hmm. to see that in a long term care um, long term care setting that I I worked at. It wasn't. It would be looked at as either this person is so old they don't need to be having people come in or that person is only going after their money or this person is sick. They shouldn't be having like, um, you know, there are some times that I don't feel well and having sex is like not high up there. But there's sometimes I don't feel well and like sex would definitely make it better. <laughs> so whether that is like feeling down or depressed or anxious, like you could get a lot of that energy out um, mm -hmm. or feeling disconnected. It can be very grounding. Um, having cramps, it can really help relax your muscles. Yeah, think about that all the times people are, oh, I got my cramps, leave me alone. No, she just doesn't want to have sex with you. You, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or, you know, there's that medical stigma around sex and That's true. cramps. But, um, so in these long-term care settings, I was really, really active active um excuse me i was really pushing hard and advocating for people to be able to have access to safe sex so mm -hmm. condoms if they wanted it lube because we lose a lot of our um vaginal lubrication over time with age and and sickness and medication and things like that um advocating for people to have visitors how they wanted to have visitors at the hour that they wanted to have visitors with a closed door doing whatever they wanted to do with those visitors. That is, that is definitely something I see a lot when it comes to, uh, for like older folk who mm -hmm. stay in facilities where it's like they can't have visitors past a certain hour. You ain't telling me when people can and come in my house. I done lived this long. My yeah. mothers could come see me <laughs> whenever they ready. Whenever, whenever I, want, I want them to. Especially when you look at the price of what it, would it cost to live in those For places? Real. And y'all say y'all supervise in 24 hours a day, right? So then see this person in and see this person out. Word. So a lot of that work in you know, one of the like the simplest things that I was asking for is that, and when we do our intake of a client and you ask them everything, like, do you use drugs? Do you do this? Do you do that? Like, just ask, like, what is sexual, what is your, um, what is your intimacy lifestyle like right now? What is your sexual lifestyle? What would you like it to be? So we could then, like, make that a part of your treatment goals. Well, I mean, I think that kind of stigma also led to, what was that, a couple years ago hmm. when there was this news that came out about the villages. Oh, what was they a, doing over there? There was, like, this crazy high rate of STDs going around there. Because, you know, when it comes to um, older folk, they're not bringing them condoms or... Right you know, doing the, the same kind of checks and mm -hmm. things like that that they do with younger people mm -hmm. when they're still fucking. I mean, they have more time and more money. <laughs> Word. Like, you, you literally live in, like, a resort. <laughs> with your peers. With, that's what we do at camp, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, mm. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, that, you know, is a huge thing. And then and a part of that for me is, like, kind of bringing it back to injury and illness, whether it's mental health illness or physical um, illness or injury, is that if you incorporate people's intimacy and sex lives into their treatment plan, like, then you're treating the comprehensive person. Yeah. You know, you're finding out what, what may be really important. Like, you don't have to tell me... You, 
you're not going to motivate me if injured to get up those, I don't know, I think we have like 17, 18 stairs in our house. But if you tell me that like your bedroom is upstairs <laughs> and mine is downstairs and I'm super motivated for us to be able to sleep in the same bed together. Okay, I, yeah, tell the occupational therapist to put that as like a goal for me and that's going to help, you know, help me. Mm-hmm. Or with mental health illness, if you're not addressing that some of these medications may have an impact on how someone um, performs sexually, and that's really a big deal to them. Like maybe they're a sex worker and they have, you know, for their livelihood, they have to be able to perform um, or, you know, it's just a part of their lifestyle that there's their sexual performance is really important to them. So taking this medication may cause an upset in that area of their life. If we are having that conversation, then we can look at alternatives. Sure. Right. You know, we can look at performance enhancers. We can look at a different style of medication. We can look at taking the medication at a different time. Like there's so many things that get lost because we do not want to have these conversations. Um, because like you said, there's this sort of puritanical like gaze over this at like sex is only for one reason anyway. So you should just be happy you're alive and like th- toss that side that you shouldn't even be tapping into anyways out. Yeah. Um, well, I think that, that even goes just in, in not even like sex as a part of overall happiness. Yeah. It's not even like you're supposed to be happy or just supposed to be, you're happy that you're alive. Right. But besides that, like other areas of happiness, like, you know, there are certain places that you go and there are no, you know, ramps for people with disabilities or, or things like that, that'll, that'll help people who are differently able to move around in the same space as other people Mm -hmm. just as easily. Right. You know, and I do think when it comes to sex specifically, you know, it's kind of like one thing is, is covered. Mm -hmm. That is dick pills. Dick pills are covered, (laughs) but you know, it is not always uh, a blood flow issue to why are not mm-hmm. achieving their erection. And, you know, when it comes to the mental aspect of those things, it's always looked over. Yeah. So in regards to mental health, and, and also people don't even add women or people who are not like cisgender male mm-hmm. to, to that conversation really at all. Because I remember there was like a, there was a women's Viagra that they were talking about for a hot minute. Mm-hmm. I don't know what happened to it. Yeah, our insurance won't cover it <laughs> specifically. They said it won't cover that. It won't cover pads. It won't cover nothing. And no, no lady parts are covered in insurance. It, we're gonna tax it. <laughs> yeah. So you know, when it comes to mental mental health and and sexual performance, how is that something that can be covered in like a fully comprehensive yeah medical plan? I think uh, there's a, a couple of things, you know, I don't think that people um, recognize because one, we just don't have basic sex education. And then we certainly don't have when things aren't going well, sex education. Right. right? You know, so the, and there's so many layers. Um, and I also think we do not have mental health knowledge just as a just as a general, uh, just in general. So when I think people think about mental health, they tend to think about the extremes of mental health um, disordered presentation. Mm-hmm. When I look at high levels of stress as a threat to your mental health, 
And how many people you know are experiencing high levels of stress? Everybody. Everybody, right? You know, and mental health is just a part of, like, it's a part of our overall hygiene. And so um, I do think that sometimes people have a hard time recognizing when their own mental health is having an impact on their sexual desires and or performances or performance um, or you know, just their overall behavior, right? Mm -hmm. So sometimes we see people withdraw from wanting to have sex or people have a hard time sustaining being in the moment while having sex. Mm -hmm. Or we see um, people making unhealthy choices related to sex because of, you know, whether it's high levels of stress or a specific diagnosis. So I... I think when we when people are talking about like you know we need mental health reform we need mental health care um, that that's a part of it that's part of like the more you know about your own mental health hygiene you can see how it's actually having an impact in relationships and how you inter- interact with others including sex and then taking it a step further you know I have a lot of clients specifically um, women and uh, women identifying clients that say I can be having sex, but I'm not there. Like, what is wrong with me? Do I not like having sex? I'm like, okay, well, where are you? Where are you going? It's like to this incredible, crazy to-do list of things that they need to do. And all of these pressures, and if they're performing well enough or not, you know, and like the anxieties around their bodies, and if they're doing enough for their partner. And it's like, yeah, of course you're not enjoying yourself. Now, to my male-presenting clients, it's a lot of the same thing. Um, I lose my erection. Okay, what's happening when you're losing your uh, erection? It can sometimes be the anxiety of having lost it before. And there's all of this pressure that men are never supposed to lose their erection. And that's like not even biologically a thing, you know? There's all parts of our bodies that do different things at different points in time, but there's like this serious pressure that every single time yeah, it's manhood itself is so tied to your virility. Oh my gosh, it's exhausting. But I do think there has to be some kind of shift in how we frame sex, right? Yes. Like I think sex is like if you have insertion, mm-hmm. then that's the ultimate sex, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and oral sex isn't isn't viewed on the same level, right? Or Hands, mm-hmm. feet, mm-hmm. conversation, mm-hmm. all these different things are not viewed on the same level as if it's just insertion. And I mean, I think that that's kind of going back to the same kind of thing as, as procreative sex mm-hmm. is, is viewed as the, mm-hmm. as the one. Right. right. But I think in order, and this, and this goes for anybody's level of physical and mental you know, ability, if we can look at sex as how we engage with another person, Mm -hmm. the intimacy that we share with that other person, and this could be intimacy with, you know, someone you've been married to for 50 years or someone you just met 50 minutes ago. Right. But you can look at it like this is a, a, an experience that we're both going to share that we would like to be pleasurable for both of us. Mm -hmm. And however, (laughs) all of us and however and however we choose to engage in it for us is important and it's and it's worth it Mm -hmm. instead of just looking like if i have you know an erection that could cut glass (laughs) and 
a, 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 a pussy that's a slip and slide. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, because our bodies do change, our bodies do shift, and, and how that moment is can be different from with the same person on the same fucking day. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So it's like looking at the intimacy instead of just the physicality. That, like, dead on. That That is so much of... Obviously, the work that all right, I solved it, y'all. I'm out. You you really did, oh. but no, stay for a while. Okay. Um, that it really is the work that I know that you and I do, and it's um, it's like the conversations I couldn't have with some of the smartest people in medicine that we couldn't make that connection to like why this is so important, how we can broaden the conversation around sex. Like it's okay for us to talk about kink because that can broaden what sex looks like. Um, it just sort of makes me think of like finding orgasmic moments in other things outside of your body, you know, mm -hmm. or, um, this will be, a, it'll be a little silly, but yesterday actually. So for those who don't know, we have, um, a newborn and a toddler and we were in the guest bathroom brushing our teeth together. And it was such a like shared moment. We're like, we're alone and brushing our teeth. <laughs> it was so pleasurable to me because I was, I don't know, it was just cute. And we both like came in the house and like did the same thing. And then like within like, I don't know, a minute and a half, you know, comes our toddler and breaks that moment up. But we were not touching. We were not naked or anything like that. We just like had a moment to ourselves mm -hmm. and it was sort of silly and connected and it brought me joy. And so, like, sharing, like, I think for people to hear, like, oh, two people who do porn and who, you know. Connecting but, over that sexy moment of brushing our teeth. That sexy moment of brushing our teeth. Like, that, and, you know, both of us are able-bodied folks that, um, you know, don't have some of the, don't have a, any physical challenges for the most part, when it comes to having sex, but still find other ways to connect with each other and like helping couples, throuples, and singles identify other things that bring them joy, how they can connect that to, you know, um, intimacy, as you mentioned, how that intimacy, like how we experience orgasmic feelings in different parts of our body through different ways of being stimulated. And like I'm so interested in those things because I I know that the shell will give out over time as you know just being on this earth, um, and like what are ways that I'm going to be able to tap into so that I can continue to experience pleasure for as long as possible. Yeah, I was actually about to ask you that. Um, are there any times within within your life that you had to adapt? Mm -hmm. to either mm -hmm. their body changing or an injury or mm -hmm. something that was going on mentally that you're comfortable sharing? Yeah, all three. Um, this was by no means um, a injury or, um, or an illness, but when I was pregnant, you know, I was, like, throwing up a lot in, um, and just not really feeling well. And I know, like, when I was starting to come out off of that morning sickness time – for us, it was just like, I don't want to do oral for a while. It's just like, it's just too, mm, it's too close to where I've been feeling sick for so yeah. long. And like, just expressing that. 
and it not being an expectation. Not like anything is ever an expectation, but that's just like, it's just not going to be a part of the, the, we're not pulling from that part of the toolbox right now. Um, there have also been, I think, thinking of like mental health times, especially during the pandemic, where I felt, well, we're still, we are, st we are still in a pandemic. Regardless of what Joe Biden says. Leave Joe Biden out of this. <laughs> <laughs> and his gas. <laughs> but, no, um, during the lockdown period of the pandemic, the height of the pandemic, I felt so stressed out. I was so anxious. Mm -hmm. And we um, would have to find, like, different ways of connecting because I just did not feel incredibly, like, turned on in the same way. And I remember, like we started to do cam shows on like Friday nights, And so like, it was really like sort of like date night. We're going to get <laughs> intimate tonight. Yeah. It gave us something to look forward to. And it was, um, for me, it was just like, this is good. Cause I'm prioritizing this part of my health. Yeah. Um, and then I would feel like this huge mental health relief because I was like so anxious all week long and not wanting the sex and then planning it and being like, why didn't we plan that on Wednesday too? <laughs> How about for you? Uh, for me, I think about is it 2016 or 2017. Mm -hmm. um, I was in a really, really fucked up car accident. Um, somebody ran a red light and slammed into me, and I needed back surgery mm -hmm. after that. And I wasn't able to get the surgery right away. Mm -hmm. They had to, like, you know, plan it out and see if PT would help and all this other shit. And I remember, you know, for for a couple months, like, we, I was still shooting. Like, I, I was in Miami at one point. And it's funny because that scene is up on, you know, all the sites or whatever. And mm -hmm. I'm looking at myself like, yo, you're in visible pain, dude. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And it's, mm -hmm. it's like um, I kind of had to learn, like, what I could and could not do because um, – a part of my my disc was out and I was having bone to bone contact in my spine. Mm -hmm. So it's like I had to relearn like I I gotta stay up at this angle or I gotta move this way or I could do this for a certain amount of time before like that shit is gonna be really, really painful. And you know, and then after the surgery they told me like, you know, don't twist for a year. I was like, how the fuck am I going to do that? Like, people call me, I got to turn around. Like, oh. <laughs> but, you know, like I, I really did, I really did have to learn, mm -hmm. you know, in order to, for like the stem cells and all that shit that they did to like set and heal mm -hmm. to not do certain activities. So like sexually, certain positions are like, I love picking people up mm -hmm. and all that other kind of shit. Like, don't do that shit for like a year. So it did teach me, you know, different ways yeah. and and how to now, you know, work with my body in that way. Mm -hmm. And also, like, pain management. Mm -hmm. And that's also something I don't think that people really discuss when it comes to um, sex post-injury is, you know, certain pain you're going to live with with certain injuries for the rest of your life. So... What level of pain is going to be in the way of your intimacy? Mm -hmm. Or what level of pain can you manage? What level of pain are you like, fuck it, 
I'm trying to get it in, so I'm willing to have this pleasure and pain at the same time, or or I can, it's unbearable. Right. What is a new position that I can do? What is a new way that I can, mm-hmm. you know, um, have sex? And in, in the in the aspect of mentally, mm-hmm. it is like one of those things that can get in your way because it's like, yo, I really loved doing this. Mm-hmm. This is now something that I either have to put on hold or I will never do again okay. because of this injury, because of this pain. So, you know, I think about, I think that's why I also always do think about kind of like how we started the show and that conversation uh, about that couple. is like you can find out a new thing that you might be like, I like this shit better <laughs> than the before thing. Like, yeah. I ain't never fucked in a swing before. This yeah. swing is lit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I, I think being able to keep an open mind, and, and that is something that is is hard to do because we do fall in love with the ideas of our initial experiences and this isn't even just with sex mm-hmm. but sex is a really good example of it where it's like that first time that I did that shit I've been looking I've been chasing that high forever now mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying but there's a whole lot of firsts that you can yeah. still do because you are now technically in a new body mm-hmm. or in a or new a situation or a new mind state so now you have a whole new level of first. And if you can approach it with that kind of mentality, it does open itself up for a whole lot of enjoyment. I completely agree. I, I love that idea of like, once you can be vulnerable with your situation, with yourself, like accepting this is a new, this is an, a, a new body or new situation that I'm working with. And then you can share that with your partners. Yeah. Um, then it really is endless the different things that you can get into and if you need some help finding that endless list of things that you can get into mm-hmm. like here we are that's what we do yeah. and, and also it's not even just a list that was compiled from research books it's compiled from our experience and also jasmine's research <laughs> but I, I think, <laughs> or me challenging my research books <laughs> no but i i think like for me it's so interesting because i do have some fans who are like I noticed that you have these extra, like, so, like, I have, like, oh, a, my, they see my the um, scars. yeah, they see my surgery scars, but my surgery scars are actually really close to a birthmark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, is your birthmark growing? growing? I was like, no. Nah. They're like, check that out. You know, if your birthmark starts changing, that you're supposed to look into that. They're or, looking out for you. Yeah, they're looking out for me. But it, it's, like, also, like, now, you know, it, it did take a lot of PT and a lot mm-hmm. of reworking my body to get back to doing certain things and and also because of that whole journey i learned other things that i like and other other ways to to maneuver and shit like that literally and figuratively so you know for everybody out there it is not over no it's it's, never it's it's never it's it's never over (laughs) you know there's just new ways that you're gonna be able to experience your intimacy, your partner, yourself, and, and pleasure. I will say that the um, for so many of us having to go um, like to isolate the way that we did, we learned a lot through online. Um, like we saw, you know, our experiences with our clients soar during the lockdowns because people were forced to find different ways to experience pleasure. And you invented SDBDSM, yes. socially distant. BDSM. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, I don't know that I invented it, but I like it. I'm going to say you invented Thank it. Thank you. You're so good. Um, I feel like I, I want us to, I, I do want to say, you know, we're all over the place with this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is sort of just like an entry point of acknowledging the fact that people should have access to um, sexual pleasure regardless of diagnosis, regardless of um, physical presentation, regardless of disorder, like that is, it's your human right to experience sexual pleasure. And so, you know, that being sort of the framework for this conversation that I am so excited to have with other people in the field that are um, developing adaptive furniture, adaptive sex toys um, that are shooting content specifically for people with different types of bodies and different types of limitations, mobility limitations, people that are um, working with folks that have different neurodivergent uh, presentations on how, you know, to sustain relationships, et cetera, et cetera. Like there's so many people out there that are doing work um, to create pleasure for folks that you will not see an advertisement for, you know, or you will not have a provider ask you what your sexual goals are, your intimacy goals are. So I um, hope that those that are watching that are pros in this area reach out to us. Yes, we would love to talk to you. Yes, we would. And for our fans and our audience, please consider, you know, sex surrogates, sex therapists, um, sex workers to help you explore the many different ways that there are to engage intimately and uh, center pleasure in your life. Because there's no business like whole business. And thank y'all very much for <laughs> tuning in. We will see you on the next one. Jet Set and Jasmine, King the Wall, Royal Fetish Radio. Royal Fetish. My life's like a movie. Paparazzi picture. If it's to get richer.